everyone, and welcome back to the Recover with Carly podcast. I'm here today with Gregory Dodell, and I'm going to be honest, I'm so looking forward to today's conversation. Um, Gregory is a New York City physician and endocrinologist, and Gregory, I'm going to have you kind of introduce yourself because I'm sure you can give yourself (laughs) way more credit um, than I could just based on gathering information online. Um, But I've been following Gregory for a while now. I came across his profile um, just based on some other people that I had been following. And Gregory does amazing work in terms of size discrimination and just navigating the medical field. And I'm going to be honest, like, I don't see enough people like you, Gregory. (laughs) Like, I feel like we don't see enough, like, especially men who are doctors, physicians, right, who are having these conversations about the effects of medical, like, in size discrimination. And so I'm really excited to chat with you today about all of this. And then the really exciting um, bill that you just mentioned that was signed today. So we're going to talk about that throughout today's episode as well. But welcome, Gregory. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, to talk with you today. So uh, just some background. I'm a New York, as you said, I'm a New York City uh, private practice endocrinologist. And uh, I'm from Los Angeles originally. My wife uh, is 110% responsible for me getting this whole picture of weight-inclusive mm-hmm. healthcare. She's a psychologist, uh, Alexis Connison at the Anti-Diet Plan. Um, but for about 10 years, she tried to uh, educate me in as far as practicing in this fashion. And we both came from a similar background, you know, of a very weight-centric medical model. and. Uh, and it's really just been a process of kind of learning how to practice this way and and kind of questioning a lot of the training that I had and kind of looking at our culture as a whole and trying to figure out like how I can take care of people across the size spectrum and hopefully benefit all people and not do any harm, which is obviously, you know, what we're all looking to do. Um, so hopefully that the dialogue's happening. And as you said, pretty at this point kind of rare as far as how I approach medicine and specifically endocrinology just our training is very weight centric and uh but I think certainly there's a lot of discussion about weight stigma and weight discrimination so that in and of itself is is hopefully going to make an impact and and I'm looking forward to this episode and hopefully uh people find it useful 100% definitely I think it's so empowering and inspiring to come across someone who has done the work to kind of change those initial beliefs or thought processes, especially when it's been, you know, the training that you've gone through as an endocrinologist is, like you mentioned, is very weight centric. It's very focused on Weight, And I think that's something that comes up a lot in conversations that I have is the difficulty that medical providers have in navigating outside of the training that they've had or feeling like very isolated and alone in their field of work because they're one of, you know, many, like the only one who is really doing that, that work that's so important. So I'm curious, what has been kind of helpful for you in navigating that space 
and potentially having coworkers or other people in the field who don't agree with the work that you're doing? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I'm in private practice, so that that helps. I can kind of practice the way I want and have the discussions um, the way I want. But I think, you know, one unifying theme, as I said in the intro, was, is that everyone's acknowledging that weight stigma is bad and harmful for health and that weight discrimination is harmful. Um, so just kind of having that common ground is, is helpful. And then just looking at the research studies, which show you know, just fitness and nutrition in general and all these things, irrespective of any change in weight, leads to better health outcomes. So taking the piece of, we know weight stigma is harmful for people's health. We know that people avoid going to the doctors and gyms and all those other health promoting type behaviors because of weight stigma. So what are we going to do to address that? And the answer is, no matter what someone's size, shape, whatever is, talking about health-promoting behaviors should make a tremendous impact um, if their goal is to improve their health, even if their weight doesn't change. And uh, and that's kind of the way I look at it and pointing people to the research yeah. and and that's it, you know, and having the dialogue. Do you mind touching a little bit on kind of what those negative health benefits are to size discrimination? Well, we know in this New York City bill that I was there today, actually, with the mayor signed it, which was just very cool to be part of and, and that legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even beyond health care, we know that people in larger bodies have been demonstrated to have lower wages. So if you're earning less money, it's obviously it could be a stressful situation. You're working several jobs. It's hard to get access to fruits and vegetables and all those kinds of things and to get enough sleep and all those things play a play a role also in housing and different accommodations and public spaces all those things make it kind of a hard thing to approach so it's like an uneven playing field so i i mean i've kind of in this testimony i gave was saying it's not just a human rights issue it's also a healthcare issue um so that's that's what we're seeing. And I think that's, that's certainly a dialogue that's happening and hopefully going to make a difference. And I think that, you know, one thing that comes up for me as a therapist with my clients is this, this almost fear of changing the way that they view like weight, the way that they view like their health or this fear of like, okay, if I stop focusing on my weight or the size of my body, then I'm neglecting my health. And I think that kind of goes back to what you were just saying. It's like this idea that there's so many different, one, pillars to health, and two, that there's all of these different variables that play a role in someone's overall health and their mental health, emotional health, physical health, all of that. Um, I'm curious if you have clients who come in who have that same kind of fear, who struggle to step away from that almost traditional mindset of they need to be a certain weight in order for them to be healthy. And if so, what does that look like for you in navigating that? So just to piggyback on the last point also is weight's not a behavior, um, which I, I like to always say that because behaviors can lead to a change in weight up or down, or it could stay the same. So 
weight as the actual behavior just doesn't make sense because it's not a behavior. It's a, a data point. Mm-hmm. So people with uncontrolled diabetes mm-hmm. may lose weight because they're not able to hold on to fat and they're lo- getting very dehydrated and things like that. As they control blood sugar, their weight may go up because they're holding on to more fat and muscle. And that is a healthier state, obviously. Um, so I always like to make that point. Um, people are not living in a vacuum and culture is telling most people, if you're in a larger body, it's not healthy and you should be taking all these weight loss medications and all this kind of stuff. And the message is that it hasn't really gone away despite, you know, a lot of good body positivity efforts out there. Um, so of course it's hard to kind of dissolve from that and, the discussion I have is really just focusing on the behaviors. And obviously, you know, a lot of the patients that I see that are in larger bodies have said, like, I've been on every diet, I've done like every exercise, I'm, you know, yo-yoed and this and that, and I've tried medications. And, you know, even some patients have had weight loss surgery and they're back, you know, similar to where they were before. So the dialogue is just saying, that hasn't really worked for you. And it's really the yo-yo effect of any restrictive dieting or over exercising or any of those things, the data is very clear that that's actually worse for you than just staying at whatever set point your body is at and focusing on behaviors and taking care of yourself because not only physically, but also psychologically going through any extreme one way or another is, in my opinion, not healthy. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think that that's, yeah, I think that's one thing that we see I see a lot in the eating disorder field is almost this, I guess, goes back to lack of education, right? Lack of knowledge, because I feel like, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this too. I think that the research that is showing the negative outcomes or negative effects of yo-yo dieting and restrictive eating, I think are less than, like we, we see that way less often, or it's harder to find than the research that's showing the opposite of that or the research that is showing that existing in a larger body is bad for your overall health. And so I think that a lot of times people try to do that education or they try to educate themselves on that, but it can be very overwhelming to try and find that research. And so I'm curious, do you have like a specific place that you send your your clients or your patients when they come to you in terms of like gathering that information. There's a great review paper by Gazer, G-A-E-S-S-E-R, which like 200 some odd references, just talking about the importance of like fitness mm-hmm. and all these behaviors irrespective of weight. There's plenty of stuff, you know, out there on weight cycling um, and mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, in very reputable journals like the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. There's a, I mean, I learned so much from Reagan Chastain. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with her, but um, she has like a whole list of resources, references, and she's like a research mm-hmm. maven. You know, any study that's been out there and that she she knows it. Mm-hmm. So um, I usually like look at her stuff. So I mean, there's definitely stuff out there, and I I learned also that a lot of the data and a lot of the studies that try and say there's a causation between weight and a certain health marker don't account for a lot of the things that we're talking about, you know, whether it's like fitness, whether it's types of nutrition, whether it's stress, 
whether it's socioeconomic status. So if a study doesn't look at those things, you can only say there's a correlation between the body size and that specific condition, but you really have to tease out, you know, all that information to see, you know, what else is going on here for this population. And weight stigma is a huge thing that if you don't account for that, that's an issue because you look at like cancer markers and things like that. If someone's not going for routine health screenings because of weight stigma and that they avoiding doctors and all this stuff, then of course they're not getting mammograms or colon cancer screenings and all these things. And that's something I, I see a lot in terms of like just comments that people make on my Instagram, right? Like I mentioned before we started recording that I had this reel recently go viral that was just focused on kind of helping people have a script of what they can say when they go into the doctor's office and requesting to either not be weighed or to not see their weight. And it was so heartbreaking because there was multiple different comments from people who were saying like, this is why I avoid the doctor's office. This is why I haven't been to the doctor's in four or five years is because they have such a negative experience when they have gone in that there is this fear and they don't want to experience that again. And I think that's you know, what makes people like you so important is it kind of gives people this hopefulness of like, okay, there are really great physicians out there who who want to help you and who want to help you feel better and feel good and figure out what's going on with your body without automatically assuming that the issues stem from the size of. Yeah, body. assuming is a great word. I hear it all the time and I think people are quick to assume behaviors of someone who could be in a larger body that they're not eating, you know, fruits and vegetables and all this stuff. And they're sitting around just eating, you know, whatever and not exercising and all this stuff. There's a lot of assumptions that are made. And when you sit down and you ask people, no matter what their size is, what are you doing for movement? What kind of stuff are you eating throughout the day? All these things. That's the way history should be taken. Obviously, you know, we're it's not the fault of a lot of ways of the clinicians um, because we're so strapped for time and we're trained a certain way. And it's kind of like trying to figure out how to accomplish a lot of this in a short period of time in a system that, you know, we learn to kind of hone in on weight, you know, as part of like the differential. Um, so it's, uh, it's something that has to continue to be kind of taught or unlearned and, and whatever. And, uh, but not assuming anything about people is really a good first step. Yeah. I'm curious, like what would your advice be to someone who has this fear of going to the doctor? Like what, what would, what would your advice be to getting them into the doctor? Obviously, because we know that, like you mentioned, there could be a lot of things that are going undiagnosed or things that are being missed. Um, what advice would you give someone to, to take that step. What you've outlined in the reel as far as like things you can say and do, it's obviously not a guarantee of how, what the response is going to be. But I think just being upfront and saying, you know, look, I have this history of disordered eating or, you know, I've been scared to come to the doctor because I just don't want to like have the focus be on my weight. I'm happy to like discuss my behaviors and get some blood work and blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm here after many years of, of not seeing doctors and I'm, I'm, it's an effort for me to be here and I'd like this to be a positive experience. This is what I'm looking for, you know, and go from there. Someone told me recently that they went to the doctor yeah. and said, I don't want to talk about my weight. And they said, okay, 
Um, but your BMI is this, like thinking that that was like a different way of, of talking about it just by like mentioning the BMI. I don't know. It was something like that. Yeah. And I think that goes back to kind of what we were saying earlier in terms of that lack of education or knowledge, right? I think like it's so important for clinicians, providers to be aware of just because you're not telling someone right. their exact right, right, right. weight, but you're telling them their BMI instead. That comes up so much in conversations. Um, thankfully, it's been more talked about over the years in terms of just how problematic and almost like irrelevant it can be. Um, and so I'm curious, like, I'm sure that was a big part of your training as an, as an endocrinologist. So what do you do when you have someone come in who's saying, well, my BMI is this, so clearly I need to yeah. wait. I say, well, let's get some blood tests. Let's check your blood pressure. Let's talk about your behaviors and all these mm -hmm. things and then go from there. And if the blood tests and everything are normal and they're getting movement and they're eating well and they're managing their stress and they're sleeping well, I kind of leave it at that, you know, and say, you know, from what I could see from my evaluation, I don't see any, any health issues related to, to body size at all. And let's just keep an eye on things. You know, you talk about family history and all those things and that's it and go from there. Because mm -hmm. a lot of these people is, you know, I alluded to before, have been on medications, they've had procedures, they've tried every diet and tried every exercise and sometimes just reassuring that your look, your weight hasn't changed in a decade. It's exactly the same as it was 10 years ago. Your body must be in kind of a steady state and that's what it is and that's your genetics and where you're at with optimizing your behaviors and let's not fight against that and say, look, you're doing everything to promote your health and your numbers are good and let's keep an eye on it. I'm curious if you've had like negative reactions from patients when approaching it that way. People may just be looking for an endocrinologist and not necessarily like know that I'm practicing a specific way. So I kind of have to have that dialogue and, you know, I think obviously nothing wrong with it. Like a lot of people want to be on these medications or, you know, are seeking these. So when I'm kind of like, I don't want see a reason to put you on this. I'm sure there's like some disappointment, you know, but that's anything in medicine, you know, whether it's thyroid or mm -hmm. diabetes or whatever, they're look, people are consumers and they're looking for a specific answer. And if you don't have the answer they're looking for, they'll go somewhere else. I want to talk about this mm -hmm. new, the bill that you mentioned that got signed today. Yeah. So this is a bill, um, bill from New York city, like? um, which was brought forward by Congressman, uh, Sean Abreu. Um, from New York, and he brought it forward with NAFA and the Flare project. NAFA um, and Flare also partnered with Dove on it, and Dove brought me in to kind of help, you know, just get the message out mm -hmm. and get this petition mm -hmm. out um, to basically end size discrimination, which is a big, lofty goal. And as Tigris from NAFA talked about today at the press conference, this work's been going on for decades, you know, long before me and. Um, this is a huge step in this whole movement of fat activism and body positivity will make it illegal to discriminate against people based on size. Mm -hmm. So specifically for housing, um, for wages, and for just public access um, to things. So it's a huge, a huge step. And um, 
and I know they're going to try and get it done on New York State and, and other cities and states as well. Massachusetts has been trying to pass something for a long time, which has kind of been at a standstill. So we'll see. Um, but New York City did it. And it's so wild to me that this is just now happening. <laughs> like something like this is just now kind of happening in terms of this idea that people can still go go about discriminating someone based on the size of their body. And also just the stigma of like, it's people's fault. It's like their own decision. And, you know, it's if they would just eat differently or move differently and all these kinds of things, which... The research is like clearly, clearly showing like the genetic component that we're not all supposed to be the same shapes and sizes. So it's any kind of discriminatory thing. It's like a culture and it's this misconception and these assumptions and all this kind of stuff. So even a reporter asked uh, Mayor Adams at the end, like, you know, this bill is great. The people on the other side are saying you're basically encouraging people to be unhealthy you know like are you just encouraging people to like stay fat basically and he was like we're gonna move forward with all our health initiatives but like you know we know body weight basically as a marker of health has been disproven in a lot of ways so but that's just kind of like was this leading question so there's just a lot to break through in that conceived notion it has nothing to do with you know anything else other than giving people equal access to to things like living like wages and homes and all these kind of things which is health promoting so it's not you know anything about like saying it's good or whatever to be in a larger body it's about making sure everyone has a chance and you say health promoting i am curious if you just for listeners who aren't familiar with that term anything like that that just going to support your overall being is health promoting. I like to talk about managing stress. I like to talk about getting enough sleep. I like to talk about nutrition as far as like an additive approach, meaning if you can add in more fruits and vegetables and forces of protein rather than like focusing on a restrictive, like I can't eat this, you know, which often doesn't last very long. Um, and then also just finding ways to move that are enjoyable. I mean, this is not one I talk about that often but like just having fun being with friends like having a support network therapy you know and uh mm -hmm. you know those things probably aren't talked about enough in doctor's offices just mm -hmm. because of time and it's just very data driven and very tunnel vision so i think that should be really part of the dialogue yeah health promoting i think that's such an interesting term because for me when i was navigating my eating disorder recovery I was trying to figure out like what makes me quote unquote healthy. And I say quote unquote healthy because like you mentioned, that can mean so many different things for so many different people. Um, and I think that it was a lot of unlearning for me in terms of what really contributed to my overall health. And I had to understand the importance of, like you said, navigating stress and sleep and social life and also therapy and like really taking control of my mental and emotional health. And I think you made a really good point in terms of like, these aren't necessarily things that are brought up in the doctor's office for many different reasons. Um, but I think that's what makes 
like your platform so important is it kind of reminds people that these are behaviors that are health promoting um, that don't have to be their tra- the traditional health promoting behaviors that maybe society has told us is health promoting. Um, like over exercising or dieting or, you know, restricting of certain foods. That's what I used to view as health promoting because I thought my health was solely based on the size of my body. And it took a lot of unlearning to understand that I was actually causing causing more harm to my body in those ways than I was, you know, good. And I think that that's a big learning moment for a lot of people, especially clients that I see. And I'm sure like clients and, and patients that you have that come in who are like, well, I was doing X, Y, and Z. And I thought that this was healthy. Yeah. I mean, cause over exercising your joint pain and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of reasons not to do anything in an extreme one way or another, you know, whether it's like the wellness industry like you know cleanses and all this kind of stuff that's not substantiated which is kind of like one extreme extremes in general are not good so it's just kind of finding like a happy medium for the individual yeah 100 percent. yeah i think that's that's something that is so important and i think can be it can be hard to find that middle ground for people i think especially because we live in a society that is very like one extreme or the other. You're either like very much into dieting and you're, right. you know, promoting diets and you're restricting and you're like the Gwyneth Paltrow's <laughs> of the world. And then you have the opposite of that, right? On the, the other end of the spectrum. And I think finding that middle ground can be really confusing because you're not like the information or the knowledge isn't there at the tips of our fingers. We have to search for it. We have to go out and look for it. And finding that can be exhausting and it can be sometimes feel easier for people. I think they're like, I'd rather just continue what I've been doing because I know it. Um, and I think that's scary. That's a scary thought for people to be stuck in. Listening to what the body needs goes a long way, but it's really hard to tune out, you know, all the other stuff. And you know, I have a mindfulness practice. I took a great mindfulness-based stress reduction course in like 2018, so five years ago. Um, and it really changed things for me. I continue to keep up with meditation and whatever. And that's a really great way to manage stress and just like quiet out, you know, all the other external factors that go on. And I, I quote unquote, prescribe that to people all the time. I think that's, yeah, again, we've talked about this, just that importance of the mental and emotional aspect of, of health. And I talk about this with my clients as a therapist, right? I focus a lot on the mental and emotional aspect of health, not as much the physical um, side of things, but more so just cognition and all of the, the ways that we talk and think about ourselves and our bodies and other people's bodies. Um, and I think that, yeah, having these, health promoting, like you mentioned, um, techniques that help us to decrease that stress. So whether that's meditation or mindfulness or journaling, or like you said, spending time with friends, I think finding those techniques is life-changing in so many ways. Um, and I think so many people 
myself included, were I was so shocked when I when I saw this huge change in my overall well-being, the way that I felt when I made that transition from focusing on my weight and food and exercise and implemented these more like overall healthier techniques and habits that don't focus on the size of my body, but focus on how I feel and what makes me, you know, what brings me joy. Part of that journey is kind of like getting used to like what the body, you know, is going to be set at and potentially being in a larger body than they were when they were restricting and all that stuff. And like that, which you obviously deal with that talking to people about that more than I do, but I do hear it. Like, you know, even, you know, patients saying like, Oh, I really wish you would just patients in recovery. I really wish you would just tell me I need to go on like Manjaro or whatever. Cause like, like part of me still wants that, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. But like, you know, you're doing great. Your numbers are great. You know, I, so obviously it's a, it's a struggle, you know, cause you're still like fighting against, you know, what you think is either perceived as healthy or like whatever compliments and yada, 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 someone got when they were smaller and they were like overdoing it, but they were getting feedback and, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I think the biggest thing for, for myself and something I talked with a lot of my clients about too, is just this idea of like the internalized fat phobia, right? Like this, this concept that you may not look at someone else who's in a larger body and have negative reactions or thoughts. But when it comes to yourself, this idea of like the fear of weight gain, um, or the fear of, you know, existing in a larger body, I always have this conversation with clients. I'm like, why is that fear there? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, it's probably an internalized fat phobia that you haven't been able to process for yourself. And they're like, no, I'm, I'm not fat phobic. Like I can look at people I can look at fat people and not have negative thoughts or think like, oh, they're quote unquote unhealthy. Um, And they're like, but for some reason, when it comes to myself, I really struggle with accepting that that could be a potential. Um, And so I think that's a big part of it, too. And I'm sure you have conversations with people about that as well in some capacity, whether it's with your patients or just with colleagues or other people in your circle. So what is one piece of advice that you would give someone who's wanting to start this process of stepping away from BMI or stepping away from like a weight centered, um, practice, what piece of advice would you give them? Being honed in on, does this feel good? Does this taste good? Does this, you know, feel right? Am I helping my mood? Whatever it is. Um, and just trying to key in on like the internal, feedback that the person's getting rather than the external and and certainly you know the data point of weight because recognizing that if people are building muscle or their weight's not changing but they're feeling better and their energy's better and their mood's better that must mean something you know versus if they're overdoing it they're restricting or not getting enough sleep or whatever how do they feel in those times you know and just taking a real good like assessment of of how each approach feels. I think that's really great advice. I think that also, yeah, surrounding yourself with people who are having these conversations, I found that to be really helpful for myself. And one thing that I always like recommend to clients too, is like 
other clinicians or physicians and doctors who are having these conversations and talking about the, you know, effects of weight stigma and the importance of being able to step away from some of these old, like traditional ways of navigating health, um, I think has been helpful for me and also my clients, which again, I've said this a couple of times, so I'm so thankful for pages like yours that are kind of providing that, that information and that knowledge, um, especially when it's a space that we don't usually see these conversations in. And I think we, I, I think hopefully your, what the work that you're doing is encouraging other physicians and, and doctors and endocrinologists to, to think about the kind of like long-term effects that potentially their practice is having on people. Part of science and part of medicine is, you know, the art of medicine and also the science of just, looking at what we're doing. Is this working? Is this not working? Um, whatever. And going from there and questioning, you know, old, old approaches and, and having constructive, you know, criticism and feedback to, to hopefully take care of patients the best way that we can, whether it was like a surgery procedure that was used decades ago, or a certain medication that we used to use and saying like, can you believe we used to do this to people with thyroid or, you know, whatever it is. You know, we just have to, we have to learn from what we did before that if maybe it wasn't working, there's another approach. Yeah, I'm hopeful that that, that that happens as well. I, one of the comments that I got on my reel that I mentioned earlier was from a nurse and, um, she had commented and said, this is why doctors, nurses drink. And I remember being like, so put back by this comment of like, this idea that someone was requesting to not be weighed or was trying to have this conversation or dialogue with their um, primary care provider. And your reaction as a nurse was almost like an eye roll. And uh, you're, you're the reason why nurses drink. These are the types of patients that cause doctors and primary care providers to want to consume alcohol at the end of the day. And I remember I had this very long response to her regarding like, if yeah. if this is your reaction to someone advocating for themselves in the medical field, I think you may have gone into the wrong field because there was yeah. just absolutely no empathy from this person who was supposed to be, you know, in a position to provide care for someone. And her reaction was almost like the opposite of what you would hope a nurse's reaction would be. And I think it's experiences like that or comments like that, that really make people feel like oh, we're not making any progress or there's, there's still so many, um, fat phobic, like harmful providers out there. Um, which is why I think conversations like this are so important because it does give us hope that there are providers out there who don't have that same mindset. Do you have a piece of advice in terms of finding the right provider? So there's a bunch of people that compile the list and they put the disclosure like, you know, these are people that haven't like basically harmed people from like weight stigma, but we can't like promise you that they're like totally inclusive and there's they have 50 states and different specialists and 
whatever, if you can get your hands on that. I'll definitely reach out because I think that's something that comes up a lot with me and with my clients is they're always asking like how to, or even just on social media, I'll get messages from people who are like, how do I find a doctor who is like, haze informed or has, you know, like eating disorder background or knowledge. And I always struggle to find like that list. And so I think having a list to start with is helpful. And then kind of going from there in terms of um, finding that person that, that works. I think, you know, one thing I always tell people is I'm like, view it as like an interview, (laughs) right? Like you're in, you're kind of interviewing these doctors or these providers in a way and like ask the ask the questions right ask them like what their thoughts are on size discrimination and I think advocating for ourselves in whatever capacity we can is so incredibly helpful in making sure we try our best to not end up in those positions where harm is being done. Obviously there's a lot of things that are out of our control in that, but totally. Yeah. True. Asking the questions can feel very scary, but it's also incredibly important in terms of us just advocating for ourselves. Well, Gregory, thank you so much for being here and thank you for sharing all of this amazing knowledge and having this conversation. Um, after my reel had went viral, I was like, okay, I need to have on all the doctors, all the physicians, <laughs> like I need to have all these conversations. I'll put everything in the show notes. Um, thank you again, Gregory, for being here. And listeners, if you resonated with today's episode, please feel free to leave a rating or a review. Also, if you have a friend or anyone in your life that you feel like would benefit from this conversation, please feel free to share, follow Gregory, take in all of his amazing words and knowledge. Um, And I'll see you all in the next episode.